12. Luke chapter 12. We, we were in chapter 12 last week. We're going to be there again. Uh, I just, as I was praying and studying this week, I just, just couldn't leave behind the words of Jesus in this sermon he's preaching. And uh, so I just felt led to, to continue where we left off. And I, I tell you, seldom do I get to say everything in a message that I want to say. I, you know, I try to get you guys out of here before 1 o'clock. And uh, so I, I may try to cover some of what we did not cover. Chapter 12. <clears throat> Let's begin reading verse 13. And one of the company, now you got to catch what's going on in verse, verse 13. And one of the company said unto Jesus, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, <laughs> I love this, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Jesus said that. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of things which he possesses. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenteously. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do because I have no room for to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God, but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night, Thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. That parable, verse 16 to 20, is a powerful statement that Jesus is illustrating important truths for us. Now this is a continuation of what Jesus was preaching in this series in chapter 11, chapter 12, and the crowd is continuing to grow. People are still coming. I'm sure some of them are leaving. And uh, he warns us in this to beware of hypocrites in this chapter. Be, be careful of don't be a hypocrite. And uh, then he tells us people are going to persecute you and when you do the right things, when you stand for the right stuff. That's verse 4 and 5. And then, as we remember verse 6 and 7, I, I got into this pretty strong last week, that it's Jesus that establishes our value. Don't let the world, don't let the devil, don't let yourself, don't let your neighbor, don't let the... Let Jesus, he said, you're valuable to me. We're much more valuable than sparrows. <laughs> I like where he places us, right? God loves the sparrows. God cares about the sparrow. Is there anything that God doesn't know that goes on? He knows when a sparrow dies. Get, let that settle in. He knows. You say, well, why did this happen to me? God knows when the sparrow dies. He knows what's going on in your life. That ought to be comforting. It might cause you to question. 
But then he, he, he talks in verse 8 and 9. And I want to read that back up. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall confess me before men, him shall the Son of Man confess before the angels of God. When we profess Jesus as our Savior, we're confessed before the angels in heaven. You've been spoken of in heaven. Verse 9, But he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. So we need to be professing our faith. And then verse 10, I, I can't skip that. This is two weeks on some of this stuff. And whosoever shall speak a word against the Son of Man, that's Jesus, it shall be forgiven him. Okay? Talk against Jesus, it's going to be forgiven. But unto him that blasphemeth against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven. It's a powerful warning there, isn't it? And do we understand all the ramifications of that? Stay far away from something you don't understand. Far away from it. You don't want to discredit the work of the Holy Spirit. You don't want to speak against the Holy Spirit. And for sure, when you reject the prompting of the Holy Spirit to trust Jesus as your Savior, that's never going to be forgiven you. If you reject when the Holy Spirit comes to you and offers you eternal life, through Jesus, you best say yes. Now let me refer you to uh, uh, go on YouTube and download a, a preacher, J. Harold Smith, J. Harold Smith, the sermon, God's Three Deadlines. Probably preached more than any other sermon in America in any time. And this man's gone on to be with the Lord now. But God's Three Deadlines, and Susan and I remember J. Harold Smith, don't we? And Jacob's mother was saved under the preaching of J. Harold Smith. And this is a powerful evangelist of the up into the 80s. And uh, so download and listen to that sermon, God's Three Deadlines. People didn't like him preaching that sermon. But it has some teeth in it. And you need to be careful crossing three deadlines that God has laid out. Now... In the text, Jesus is asked a question. Did you get that? That's what we read. And this guy, I, did you catch his arrogance? Jesus is talking and he speaks up. Jesus is speaking and this guy just blurts out. Notice, and one of the company, verse 13, said unto him, Master, speak to my brother uh, that he divide the inheritance with me. Now, in this big crowd of people, Jesus is teaching on many subjects. He hasn't taught on this subject at all. This has nothing to do with what Jesus is teaching. And Jesus is hearing this. This guy just blurts it out. Can you see some arrogance in this guy? He said, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I'm assuming that he must have been a second, third, or fourth brother because the oldest brother would get two portions of inheritance in Jewish law, and then the rest of them would get one portion. Tell my brother to buy. Catch it. Now, he says, speak to my brother. I mean, who is this guy? Is there anybody you know like him? Who is the guy that just interrupts the whole thing? He's not thinking about anything we're thinking about. He's got his own self-concerns and, and and is he aware that there's anybody else in the building with him or in the audience with him? Are you that person? 
we're, un, we're, 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 we're quiet for some unusual reason. This guy's uncouth. How many of you remember that word? That came right out of my era, didn't it? I mean, he's totally uncouth. Now, Jesus, will you talk to my brother? And will you tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me? I mean, this is on him. Now, we know it's negative because Jesus goes into a lesson on covetousness, right? And he tells a story about a person that's wealthy. Jesus just didn't make that up. It's fitting for this guy that brought this question up. I love the way Jesus rebounds from this crazy question. He doesn't say, call this guy out of here. (laughs) He answers his question. Now, the question had nothing to do with eternal life. It had nothing to do with his salvation. And it had nothing to do with basic needs. It's a personal fuss between his brother and him. Jesus, fix this for me. You ever ask Jesus to fix something for you? We all have, haven't we? Now, he probably he probably had not heard Jesus in anything he said. He's probably not heard a thing. This thing is all-consuming on him. And he's very much like us. When we're worried about what we want to worry about, we don't care what anybody else got, got to say. We have too much of that in us, don't we? This guy illustrates it. So what can we learn from this? Notice verse 13. And one of the companies said to them, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus said to him, Man, I like that language, don't you? That come right out of my childhood. Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? Jesus says to this man, Different words. What are you talking about? That's not my responsibility. Jesus is talking about the contemporary question. He's not saying he's not the judge. He is the judge of the whole earth. But he, he, the lang- don't get mixed up in the language. He said, this is not my problem. Now here's what I want us to learn. Jesus did not come to handle life situations for us. Throw it at me. Go ahead. I'm ready. Throw it all at me. Jesus did not come to handle our life situations. He came to teach us how to handle them ourselves. Now, I think you better think through that. Because a lot of our prayer life has to do with saying, Jesus, fix this for me. Jesus, handle this for me. And there are things that are out of our reach that we can't control, and we should ask the Lord to work through those things. But most of our life is this. It's not Jesus put me on the welfare and handle everything for me. It is really this. Lord, show me, teach me, and enable me to handle the problem. You can't pay your electric bill. Jesus, pay my electric bill. No, he don't pay electric bills. But what does he do? He enables us and he helps us. He instructs us on how to deal with the problems of life. Now, you you say, preacher, you're making a big deal. I am making a big deal because that's big for your long-term walk with God. God may help you. He may bail you out on occasion. But it's not about a bailout from Jesus. It's about you growing. 
It's about you developing. It's about you learning. And it's about you applying the truth that he teaches us. I think that's good. He didn't, he didn't come to be a divider of our stuff. You got a problem with your brother? Hey, he needs to learn how to handle the problem. We got all kinds of, I've got all kinds of thoughts on what may be the, you know, one of the problems in life, though, is handling an inheritance. Some of you people are getting older and you're right now concerned, how am I going to handle when I'm dead and gone? How is it? And the best answer is, you're dead and gone. Don't worry about it. Let them figure it out. So, there are a lot of things we pray about and we want God to solve. But the truth is, He will give us the instruction, the truth, and the Holy Spirit will enable us, but He will not work for us. He will work through us. I think Christians need to hear that because you, you turn the TV on and you're going to hear it. You're going to hear it if you'll... You know, God will do this for you. God's going to do this for you. That is motivational for you to follow that program and for you to send money. Oh, he helped me so much. (laughs) No, God doesn't work that way, generally speaking. Now, Jesus immediately goes in and answers the question of greed. Right? Right? This man, he's got a problem with greed. Well, let me ask you a question, and, and this, may, this may be convicting. Is his brother more important than the, than the inheritance? Or is the inheritance more important than his brother? Something to think about, isn't it? So Jesus immediately goes into and answers the question about, about greed. He says, verse 15, And Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's Life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. Isn't that a powerful statement for us? We're taught, we watch television, the commercials come on, and the commercial tells us, you need this, and if you get this, you're going to be so, oh, you're going to be so happy, and and you're going to be, this is going to answer the problem for you. You know, so you're, you're, you're bald. We sell toupees, headpieces. You all get one. It's going to be your, you know, you know what I'm saying. Outrageous statements. And why do, you all say the same thing. Commercials don't really work. We all say that. The most, the most money spent in the world is on advertisement. It works. And it works because we want help. We want satisfied. We want fixed. If we could just put some money into this and solve it, that's the answer. But when it comes to life issues, they're not that easy to solve. Now, the first, verse 15, he warns us about covetousness, and then the, the answer to all this takes from verse 14 to 40. But we're going to see what does the text, what does the text say. We're not going to go in, into all that. What does the text... First thing we got to get it. It's real simple. We need to beware of greed, and we all have the we all have greed in us. And greed is a necessary part of life. I, I know it's an ugly word. I know it's an ugly word. I wish I could think of a better word to use. But you got to be 
There's got to be, you've got to go get it, and you've got to get it done. Everybody has to put forth effort. Everybody has to invest their time and their life. And, but he said, beware of covetousness. What is the Tenth Commandment? Covetousness. There's got to be a balance. Got to be a balance, isn't it? Isn't that the truth? There's got to be a balance. So then he gives us, a, this guy is out of balance. Now, now listen, I, I told you, you there's, there, is a, there is a positive side of the old word greed. You've got to want to go get it. You've got to, go, you got to want to win. There's nothing wrong with wanting to win, right? So if, if me and Jim are in a race, I'm going to try to beat him, Right? And he's going to try to beat me. And somebody's going to win. I, you know, I like winning better than losing. Anybody like losing better than winning? We're going to, to get you some help. <laughs> hey, you, that's a, it's, hey, don't let us take you to the place where you're just supposed to be docile and lying, just let everything run over you. That's not the answer. Beware of covetousness. So be warned, be balanced about these things. And now he gives us a story showing us that this man is totally out of balance. Now that's, how do I get that? Because Jesus told the parable. He made the parable fit this man, fit the situation. Let me read the parable, verse 16 to 20. And he spake a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plenteously. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all of my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God, but God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? It's a very powerful story. This man had planned for life. He had planned for life, and he had succeeded in life, hadn't he? In the issues of material things. That's what I'm referring to. But he did not plan for eternal life. So first thing, the first thing is the most important thing. Where are you going to spend eternity? Where are you going to spend eternity, in heaven or hell? Are you going to heaven or going to hell? The most important question, hey, you can live 125 years on earth, have everything, win every game you ever play, win every business deal you ever deal, and, and, and have a happy life, have a good life, have a healthy life, and die and go to hell. You have fallen short. You have failed. You failed. Now, this man's already rich. This man is going, he's already blessed, but he's self-centered. He's totally self-centered. Now, get me, get me straight here. You do need to take care of yourself and your responsibilities and the responsibilities that you have taken on yourself. You are a husband, wife, and you have a family. You've got responsibilities. Do not shirk those responsibilities. You have to do those things. But this man is just overly, overly concerned about 
things. He has no thought. There's no thought in, in the story about him giving anything to anybody. But notice the eye problem. Verse 17, there's two eyes. Look at it. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. Verse 18, there's three of them. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. Verse 19, And I will say to my soul. Now let me ask you, sir, who is really in charge in this world? Who is in charge of life? It sounds like you believe that you are. Have you come to the understanding of how little you have control in life? You learn that when you get older. He's got an eye problem. He got, he's got an eye problem. His problem is not his money. There's nothing wrong with having lots of money, lots of land, a lot of prosper, uh, prosperity. You know, There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem with this man is his heart. His heart. The problem is his heart. And I'm sure we could classify it as having excessive pride. Look what I did. The book of Chronicles chapter 16 tells us that all wealth is given, that the, the power to obtain wealth is given to us by God. Excessive pride. He's definitely got a need for humility. Definitely he needs to realize and acknowledge that God, you gave me this. You enabled me to obtain this. He has taken all the credit for it in it. Beware of covetousness. That's the lesson. Beware of excessive greed. Have it balanced. Now, he is the center of his universe. Be careful there, Christian. We need to be careful that we put ourselves in line with other people and think of ourselves not first, not primarily, but on the same plane with others. And we need, we, need to, we need to get that concept in our mind. Look at verse 22. And Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouses nor barns, barn, and God feedeth them, how much more are you better than the fowls? Now before he used the little sparrow, this time he uses the raven. Now the raven is not thought of in a positive way in Scripture, is it? The black bird. He's not thought of in a positive way. Remember at the ark, they sent, they sent out the dove, they sent out the, the, the crow, and the dove came back, and the crow went on. You know why the crow continued to travel? He could find carcasses to land on and feast on. He's an unclean bird. So this time God, Jesus, uses the raven, not thought of as the little innocent sparrow. God takes care of all of us, doesn't he? Warren Buffett, 
I don't know the man. I'm not going to criticize the man. There's a lot you could say positive about the man, and but I don't know him at all. But I hope he realizes that God enabled him to be who he is and where he is and what he has. Yeah. God is good. God is good to all of us. And God is good to people on their way to hell. And let me tell you something. It's more important for God to be good to them than he is to you and I because we're going to heaven. We're going to walk in streets of gold and we're going to be with our family, our father. But God's goodness leads someone to repentance. God is good to the lost. We need to be good to them also, right? So what do we do with verse 22 to 24 and in relationship to our worry? Worry is too far, too much concern, isn't it? Planning and, and figuring and calculating, no problem with that. But when you get into worry, you've gone too far and we need to back away from those things. Take no thought, he said. Take no thought. Uh, this man is being blessed. You and I are being blessed. He's in prosperity. And you have been prospered by God. This is a very successful man. Very successful. He, he has it. He has it. He's, he's got the American dream. Turned into a nightmare. Now many of us have money issues. Many of us, I, I find it as a Christian problem. In America. Not around the world. In America... We see this, we watch the television, we get the commercials, we need this, we need that, we ha and then we have money problems. We need to stay in balance with those things. We've got to keep those things in balance or they can disrupt our spiritual walk with God. Spending what we don't have to buy things we don't need is, a, is really a problem. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, my, my God shall supply all of your wants according to his riches and glory. Is that what it said? All of your needs. We need to learn to determine our needs. Now we see his pride. Look at verse 18 in the illustration. And he said, this will I do. This will I do. I will. What does James teach us about this will I do? James teaches us, if the Lord's willing, this will I do. Book of James, right? As a Christian, let's learn this. We say, this will I do if the Lord is willing. If the Lord's blessing goes there. If the Lord will lead us this way. We all need to be under submission as Christians to the will of God, to the direction of God, to the plan of God, and, and go with that as our primary. He said, but this man said, in verse 18, and he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and all my goods. It seems that he's, he's unable to turn it off. Look at verse 19. And I will say to my soul, Jesus made this clear, that he's referring to himself, his soul. The, the, think about it. You have a soul. You are a soul, right? Living in a body. And so this man says in verse 19, And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease. Eat. Drink. And be merry. Now, folks, it's not what has, it's not what you have that is a problem. If you have a lot of stuff, that's not a problem. It's what has you that's the problem. Does drugs have you? Does alcohol have you? Does material things? That's what we have to think about. That's what we have to consider. Now, Jesus tells us 
the, the life uncertainty, the uncertainty of life. Look at verse 20. But God said to him, somebody else has to say over all this, his name is God. We need to remember that. We need to keep our, our conscious mind thinking the fact that if God is willing, God, one day we are going to die. Verse 20, But God said unto him, Thou fool. Now let me tell you, we're warned not to call people fools, aren't we? Matthew, the book of Matthew tells us not to be calling people fools, and we're foolish to call people fools. But when God says it, you can take it to the bank. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. That's the one verse to atheist in the whole Bible. Now he said, but God said to him, thou fool. Why is he a fool? Because he, had, he was concerned with everything but the matter of where is his soul going to spend eternity. Jesus called him a fool. This man is chasing the wealth he is storing it up. He's already beyond success. It's got a hold of him, doesn't it? It at least seems that way. It seems that it has a hold of him, and there's no one else in the text. I think it's referring to the man that brought the question. We don't know that. But I think it's the man that brought the question. I think that's the parable is addressed to me. Now, our focus, first off, primarily needs to be on God and God's will. What does Matthew 6.33 say? Go ahead. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then what will God do? All these things shall be added unto you. Over in Psalms chapter 90, it says this. He says in verse 6 about life. In the morning it grows up and it flourishes. And in the evening it is cut down and it withereth. That's verse 6. Verse 12. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts to know wisdom. God put you here. God put you here. And we all have one thing in common. We're going to die. Secondly, we're going to stand before God. We're going to give an answer to God. The most important thing is... Where do you stand with Jesus? Where do you stand with Jesus? That's the issue. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27. It says it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this the judgment. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 verse 13. Uh, the, old, the old preacher. Who, what's his name? Solomon. Old Solomon the man who sought God and sought wisdom. He concludes in chapter 12, verse 13, last two verses. Let us hear the conclusion. He figured it out, didn't he? Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. There's nothing left out. Everything considered, he says this. Fear God, keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Why did God put every person here? To obey God's commandments. This is the whole duty of man. One day we're going to stand before God. We're here. This is not it. When you die, it's not it. See, 
you are a soul living in a body. When your body dies, your soul is still alive. And if you know Jesus as your Savior, your soul goes into the presence of Jesus and the angels. Absent from the body, for a Christian context, is Christian is in the presence of God. What did Jesus teach us with the story of the rich man and Lazarus? It says, and he died, and in hell he lifted up his eyes, been in torments, multiple torments. You say, that's a parable. It doesn't matter to me if it's a parable or not. Jesus is not lying to us. <laughs> He's just telling us. We are a soul. Now let me tell you, I, I don't, we don't know everything about a soul, but, but you need to tend to your soul. You need to care for your soul. If you have an emotional problem, a mental problem, that's a part of your soul, your mind, will, your emotion. That's your soul. Take care of your soul. Don't take more on you than you can bear. And don't try to escape everything and run away. Your soul is important. That's who you are. That's who you are. One day that soul is going to return into eternity. Do you realize your soul is God's gift to you? God gave you and put you in this body. One day we're going to stand before God and give an answer. Lord, help us to care for our soul more than the material things of this world. Now, death is coming to all of us. This death, this man is faced with the reality that he had all these great plans. But God said, Jesus said, today you're going to die. 19, and I will say to my soul, notice what he said, I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But he hadn't taken care of the most important part. His soul was not prepared for death. He was prepared for anything that would come as far as a hazard. I mean, if a tornado come, if a hurricane come, if, if an earthquake come, if poverty came, he was prepared. He was prepared. This man is a prepared man, but he did not prepare for death. That's the mistake. Our soul is eternal. Our soul returns to God. And, you know, think about this. Our lost neighbors that, you know, don't believe in God, here's the thing, they don't believe in a soul. They believe their, their brain is just a bunch of junk going on. No, they have a soul that operates within that brain. Their soul, take them to that truth, their soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. It's in our soul that we know right or wrong. Okay? People try to deny morals. They say, there's nothing wrong. You just, you're just making that up that that's wrong. No, 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 no. Folks, that's not true. Let me tell you this. The people that try to say there's no morality, they will all look at a, a murdering children and know it's wrong. Yet they will excuse abortion. They will excuse abortion. Our soul knows these things. Now, my question, verse 21, verse 20 and 21. But God said to him, Thou fool, 
this night thy soul shall be required of thee. See, that soul is going to give an account to God. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? Did you ever realize that you're just providing all this for somebody else? Some of you older people, you're just saving and, and stuffing it all in this. and Go out and spend it. Verse 21, so is he that layeth up treasures for himself, notice it, and is not rich towards God. Our soul is a gift from God. We live in this body. We Given life is a gift from God. You have that gift. We need, have you found the hidden treasure? In life, have you sought for the hidden treasure? The woman in the Matthew, she sold, uh, a man rather than Matthew, sold all to find that hidden treasure. Have you found the hidden treasure? That's not obvious to everyone. The hidden treasure is Jesus. It's Jesus. When you have Jesus, you can have nothing and be happy and, amen, be, have joy. Yeah. This man valued this man valued what one day would go away. But he did not value what he could never lose. Which was eternal life. Do you value eternal life? Listen, listen, listen to me now. You are one day going to spend eternity with God or without God in hell. Are you valuing the things that are most important? I challenge you. Let me close with Jim Elliott. How many know Jim Elliott? You ever heard of him? Great missionary. and Not a great missionary. He never did get to the mission field, really. But a great missionary statement he made. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So go out there and get, make it big. Man, I want you to do well. Make it big. Do it all. Enjoy it all. If it's right with God, if it's in the will of God, do it. Enjoy it. Nothing wrong with those things. Think about everybody else, too, when you, on, in the process. Think about other people in the process. But remember that one day you're going to answer to God. Keep that in your mind, in your thoughts. Let me close with this. Are you prepared to meet God? Are you prepared to go to heaven? You've got to be prepared. And it's not up for grabs. It's not, a lot of people play the Russian roulette game. They thought, well, whatever will be, will be. I'll just go wherever. Hey, if you don't prepare, you'll go to hell. God gave you that soul, as Jesus taught, to return it to God. I gave my soul to God when I was 10 years old. Now, I didn't take my hands off of it enough, but I gave my soul to God when I was 10. Have you ever given your soul to God? Let's bow our heads. Let's quietly stand. And if you have given your soul to God, but you have gotten out of balance. Tonight, today I'm calling and giving the, the, the word from God to get that balance back.
get that balance back. Lord, we come before you. We thank you for your words, Lord Jesus. I pray that we'd all consider the value of our soul, which is nothing compared to it. I pray, Lord, for anyone that has not returned their soul to you, that today they would give you their soul and trust you for eternity in heaven. Bless this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing. Anyone need to come today? Something you need to pray about, just lay it on this altar. Maybe a couple needs to come. Lay it on the altar. Let's sing it out. Let's have our ushers come this morning. <clears throat> Any word before we go today? Tonight we meet at 6, 6 o'clock.